Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is Jonathan Fatality Strickland. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. You, you genuinely got me tickled. Hey, Ariel, guess yes. what? What? I got a question for you. You wake up. From a long nap, and you discover you've been kidnapped by the cast of cats because they need you to fill in. Which cat are you? Oh, cheesy Louisey, uh, Rumple Teaser. Nice. So yes. you, so you're partnered with Mungo Jerry. Yes, which would hide my inadequate dancing skills. I mean, I'm a decent dancer, but I'm not like cats I mean, level decent. Like, that's I mean, what that's got going for it. Rumple Teaser does like, like cartwheels and <laughs> Rumple Teaser's a pretty athletic one. I can do cartwheels and okay. I can do rolls. Okay. All right, groovy. Um, but groovy. also, like, I really like their um, cheeky. It's just a fun song that they have. Mungle J. Rumple Teaser is a fun song. They're kind of cheeky. They're kind of irreverent. They don't take things too seriously. And I feel like that would be my mentality if I were thrown into cats is I cannot take this too seriously. Right. Good. What about good. you? Uh, I'm going to go with Buster for Jones because then I don't have to dance at all. 
I'm just a big old fat cat, which I mean, they won't even need to add padding if I'm if I don't get to the gym pretty soon. So, yeah, Buster Jones for me. I mean, I let me let me tell you, it was a close call because Mr. Mistopheles obviously is fabulous. Yes, he's um, my favorite cat. I I love the character. I do not think I'm nearly fabulous enough to be Mr. Mistopheles. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, Gus the theater cat is a lot of fun, too. And doesn't even have to mm-hmm. sing really except for like one line so yeah. uh so there were a couple of different options but i think Buster jones is what i'm gonna go with um i definitely am not a mccavity i i and and to be fair we're really talking about the stage production here not the not the film did you ever see the movie uh i used to own the vhs of the pbs special movie uh, which is the one I'm assuming you're talking about. No, and I'm I talking would... about the latest movie. The one. Oh, that no, I that... did. <laughs> no, no, I did not. I did not see the one with with the butthole cut. Yeah. Uh, but I did own the VHS of the old PBS version when PBS right. used to show like mm-hmm. Masterpiece Theater kind of stuff. Uh, and I would clear all of the furniture in my living room and try to do all the dances and songs with the cats. That's um, adorable. Which yeah. also means I know which cat I would succeed at the most got it okay so yeah because you've you've rehearsed i see all right that's clever mm-hmm. you yeah, know i was going Did to you- say i was going to say that the film i haven't watched the movie all the way through because i just don't have that kind of fortitude but i did <laughs> i did just for here's the funny thing you know what song i watched before i i decided to ask you that question mungo what? jerry and rumple teaser and um i decided to watch the movie version and they completely rearranged the song it's a totally different tune and oh. i hate it I haven't listened to it, but I am a fan of the original, so I I suspect it would take some getting used to at the very yeah, least. Yeah, I don't oh well listen, I don't know that I can handle the eldritch horror that is the entire movie. <laughs> I just the little bit I saw, I didn't even watch the whole thing because the the CGI, like the faces on on top of the CGI heads and then the the ears that can turn independently of each other was it was giving uh, me all the heebie jeebies. Oh, no, I don't uh, mm. like I really respect all of the talent that was in that movie. And I like the ingenuity that they had when they were thinking about it. I just I I think that there were some design flaws. I I think that it was a huge mistake to go with a live action approach in the first place. It should have been an animated film because there is a different social contract between a audience that's going to a musical that's accepting a certain level of disbelief because you are in a space like a physical space where the stuff you're watching is clearly not really happening. I mean, Shakespeare Mm -hmm. addressed this in King Henry V. And then there's the enormous difference of going to a movie theater where things are presented as if they are usually somewhat realistic or happening in some sort of real space. And there's a huge disconnect there. It's asking too much of a movie audience, I think. And, um, yeah, I don't know that I could ever watch more of it. You've watched some pretty bad movies for this the purpose true. of watching bad movies in the past. So I be- I super believe in you, Tad Cooper. Uh, you, maybe in June you can touch base with me because I'm going to get a little get together with some friends. And who knows, maybe we'll all like decide to be super silly and try and watch it. But there's some other stuff we need to talk about. And one of the things we want to talk about is uh, so the Falcon and the Winter Soldier concluded. Um mm-hmm. What did you think overall of the series, Ariel? It had some really high moments. Mm-hmm. And it had a good 
overall message and plot, and the moments were so electric that I loved it. Later in the series, when Sam and Bucky got over their machismo and started becoming friends, like, that was brilliant to me. Uh, Sam's sister was a super fantastic voice in the story. I feel like uh, the Flag Smashers kind of lost the plot towards the end. Totally. 100% agree. Which, to me, made it feel like Sam's ending speech, which was super moving, it had a titanic effect on me, whereas the first time I listened to it, I'm like, yes, this is great. I love it. Thanks for pulling on my heartstrings. I agree. And then I thought about it and I'm like, mm, I don't 100% agree. It's lost some of its impact on me now because specifically because the villains have kind of lost their plot. And the speech was not about that. I felt like the speech was a little too on the nose, a little too heavy handed. Like we already as an audience had come to the conclusion that the speech takes you to because we have seen all the stuff leading up to it. So the speech to me felt like it was a little too on the nose. Like it, it felt a little too pat in some ways. And so uh, that that didn't quite ring true to me. I agree with you. I thought that the villains kind of got a little muddled or or antagonists, if you prefer, if, if villain is too strong a word. Um, I thought that Sam and Bucky had some great interactions. I thought it was weird that Zemo was like a totally different character than the way he was in Winter Soldier. And I thought that it was weird that Sharon Carter ended up being very, very different. However, the reason we're even bringing this up is not just to recap what we felt about the series, but because we now know that the writer on that series or a co-writer on that series uh, is going to be writing a fourth or co-writing a fourth Captain America film. Uh, you know, and as as much as I I don't think uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier was as strong of a a series as WandaVision was. Right. Um, I I still enjoyed it way more than I thought I would going in. Like, you know, I I. I have had very few Marvel movies that I've just genuinely not really enjoyed. Iron Man 2 is probably yeah. the closest. And and even still, there are moments of it I liked. I just fell asleep during it two times. Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel the same way about Thor 2 as well. A but, lot of people do. Yeah. A lot of people do. Um, but there was enough that I really liked. I really liked the way they handled uh, Falcon becoming Captain America. I really liked his heroic moments when he was Captain America. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't caught up yet, but uh, like he did some really, really cool stuff in that final episode that just made me excited to see what he could do. I like the fact, I think we talked about this last week, that he's not, or a week or two ago, that he's not super powered. Right. He's he's more like Iron Man than any of the other uh, Avenger characters. Yeah, so I, I'm really excited about this. Uh, you know, they've introduced a character that I, according to the comics, will be the next Falcon, and I really liked that character as well. So, and, and we still have U.S. Agent. In fact, he's called U.S. Agent now. Yes, which yes, is, he is. That really, I was like, are they gonna call him U.S. Agent? And then uh, Elaine from Seinfeld did, and I was so happy. And I'm really interested to see where she goes with her character because there's been lots of speculation about who she actually is and right. what, like, like is she going to come into Secret Invasion? Is she actually, uh, you know, Madame Hydra, part of Leviathan, or where is she? Or the, is she starting a Dark Avengers? There's she, so much. Does she have a connection to Nick Fury? Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of questions that we don't know the answers to. And um, yeah, so presumably 
this fourth Captain America film will follow Sam as Captain mm-hmm. America. Hopefully Bucky will be in there too, because those two together are a great team. I agree. And um, I agree entirely with what you said, Ariel. I think WandaVision was the stronger of the two series. I think it also benefited because WandaVision had, I think, three more episodes than Falcon and Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. did. And I think we already talked about in a previous episode how some of the episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier felt like they were taking a lot of shortcuts in order to get through the story. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that they could have used maybe one or two more episodes to space things out a little bit so that so that at the end of the episode, I wasn't saying, hey, how the heck did such and such know to be there at that time? Right. <laughs> yeah. That being said, like I could I could see them even with the movies saying, hey, this could have a second season and it could very well do well. But that's not the only Marvel news we have. Uh, so, you know, let's move on. Yeah. Let's talk about Groot robots. Yes. <laughs> You found this story. Yes. Jonathan. Yes. Yeah. So the story is that like some Disney world Imagineers have made a robot baby Groot or kid Groot. I should say it's the Groot that's in between baby Groot and sullen teenager Groot. And, mm-hmm. um, and this, uh, this kid Groot apparently looks and moves in really amazing, realistic ways. Yes. And I was like, eh, I've seen Disney Imagineering before. This is this is going to be old hat. And then I watched the video. Yeah. And good golly. That's like it's, general it's dynamics impressive. level stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's exciting. I can't wait to see this thing at Disney World. I'm assuming they're going to put it over at Epcot where the new Guardians of the Galaxy ride is going to be. Probably. Probably. I'm glad that it's coming to Disney World and not just Disneyland because Disney World is much more accessible for me. Um, And he will be he will be my uh, biggest Disney character crush. Yeah. You know, I met platonic crush. I met Groot at Disneyland, uh, but that was adult Groot. Was it? I know that uh, Disney world has had star Lord and baby Groot, like potted Groot. Oh, I didn't know that. That's exciting. Yeah. Where you could just meet him. Um, You could do like a meet and greet with them. I did. I haven't met and Gret with met and Gret with them. Met and Gret with Groot. (laughs) Yes. It's the, the Groot Gret. But our, 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 some of our mutual Disney friends have. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to be at Disney World a little later this year and uh, mm-hmm. we'll report back if there are any Groot sightings while I'm there. But I expect that he will not quite be on display. Well, maybe he'll be on display because Disney World is, is reaching a, a big uh, anniversary in October. So, Man, I'm super jelly of your Disney trip, dude. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, but it's several months away. And between then and now, we have to talk about Disney and Sony reaching an agreement earlier. In a previous episode, we talked about how Sony had signed a deal with Netflix, which would give Netflix Mm -hmm. exclusive streaming rights for stuff right away. But now it looks like Disney's going to get a shot at it, too. Sony owns the rights to Spider-Man, which Mm -hmm. obviously exists in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So that would mean that Disney plus wouldn't be able to stream that those movies. But now we know that Disney and Sony have signed an agreement where after an initial time period where Netflix will still have that, that exclusivity things will then be able to stream on Disney plus as well. So we will actually get Spider-Man on the Disney pluses. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually. Uh, You know, I, 
I'm excited for this. We're also going to get like Jumanji and Hotel Transylvania. Um, Yay. I, the, I like Jumanji, so I'm excited about that. Um, okay, that's fair. I, I haven't seen the new ones. Though you are missing out, my friend. They are really good. Okay. Both, both of them. Both of them are fantastic. Aquafina makes the best uh, Danny DeVito stand-in there has ever been. I look forward to finally giving it a shot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's definitely some kid humor, but it's it's a so- they're both solid, solid movies, and they even give nods to the original. Um, but the the Disney movies will be all of the theatrical releases from 2022 to 2026 that will be on Netflix as well as their direct to streaming. So I don't know how soon. They'll go go on Disney Plus afterwards, but yeah, it might um, be a few months, but at least it is going to happen because, you know, I don't really like having a fractured cinematic universe that that's tough where you're mm -hmm. having like you already had to do it in the in the past because Netflix had the series like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that. Um, I would love to see those come back to Disney Plus. It would be weird because those movies are. Uh, decidedly darker than, or yes. those series are decidedly darker than the other stuff we've seen on Disney plus, but the, the hope is still there that we will eventually see some reboots of those over on Disney plus. I, I would hate if those just disappear. Honestly, Ariel, I was thinking about this the other day. I think the street level characters like daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke cage, mm -hmm. uh, Hawkeye. Yeah. Fist man, whatever his name is. <laughs> Iron Fist. Um, I think those guys would all be great characters to explore, assuming like they didn't get snapped out during the blip mm -hmm. and explore the, the stuff that happened in that five year span in between the snap and when everyone was returned, because you would think that street level heroes would be even more important during that phase. And it makes me think what was, you know, assuming that they weren't snapped out, what was Jessica Jones doing? What was Daredevil doing? Mm -hmm. What was Luke Cage doing? What was Fistman doing? And it also gives them the option to retcon, you know, plot lines in the in the old television series that didn't quite grab audiences um, because it was hit or miss. I liked them. And yeah. also, like, on the one hand, I'm like, well, Disney's getting everything. They're, get, they're becoming this massive media conglomerate, more massive than they already were. But at the same time, I'm like, but I also hate paying for every single streaming service there ever was. Yeah. So the more consolidation, I'm like, just make a Disney cable channel and I'll be happy um, at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. Like, I, I, I also don't look forward to a lack of competition. I don't think that's good for people. But I also don't want to have to maintain 17 subscription services so that I can watch the various pieces of media that I'm really into. Yeah. But, uh, there's another piece of media we need to talk about, which that is, you aren't really into. <laughs> that, yeah. Very much not into this, but <laughs> people aren't surprised by that. Uh, oh, I'm talking about the inevitable Godzilla versus Kong sequel. We already are hearing rumors about it. Yep. So they didn't set anything up at the end of Kong Godzilla versus Kong. But apparently people are vaguely open to the idea of a Son of Kong movie, which the first one was not good or fun or pleasant. Um, no, you need to go to Mighty Joe Young for that one. That's a much better, uh, that's a much better big giant ape movie. Yeah, yeah. But if they do this with Adam Wingard, it's going to take a while because we've already talked about he's working on the Thundercats movie, which I am super excited about. 
Yay. In theory. Um, <laughs> in theory, I'm very excited about it. We'll see if it lives up to the hype I'm building in my brain. Um, and then he's also working on a reboot of Face Off? Yeah, so apparently this is like the new King of Schlock is what I'm hearing. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, Thundercats is quality cinema, Jonathan. But, <laughs> sure, yeah, okay. But yeah, Face I, Off is listen, definitely schlocky. <laughs> Thundercats is no Silverhawks or whatever that other show was that was exactly the same, <laughs> but but with silver bird people instead of cat people. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I, I, I have no dog in this fight. <laughs> I'm just going to back away. I just, I just figure it can't be worse than the original son of Kong. Uh, apologies to anybody who liked the original movie. You know, I've talked about animal movies give me uh stress. So son of Kong is not for me. Um, King Kong is hardly for me, but I still love it, but it's hard. It's hard. It, mm. it breaks my heart to go through. Um, and, and to lift spirits, we have one that last news item. We kind of just want to hit on real quick. So, uh, we don't know if you've seen in the news, but a woman got charged with felony embezzlement charges for failing to return a VHS tape. Yeah, that that's an old thing that we used to watch movies on, kids. Yes. VHS tapes with a VCR. Yes. And the tape was Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So the, Satan was involved. The The... Old 90s Clarissa explains it all version. Oh, so Salem the cat was involved. Salem the cat was involved. Um, and it was rented in 1999. And like this woman, she lost, she she believes that she lost jobs over it and failed to get jobs over it because this would show up on her, on her report, on her background checks. She didn't even rent it. It was her kids, she thinks. She had no idea she owned this, this video. And this video, like back in the day was like, under it was about just a little bit under sixty dollars uh, in value, so that's yeah, it's uh, one of those crazy stories. Like it, it makes you think about like if you ever saw weird stories about people with like astronomical library fees or something, mm-hmm. and you 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 are left with a first of all, to whom would you even pay that at now? Because nobody nobody's in that business anymore. Well, the the court in Cleveland where this was originally filed against her, and who would even actually file that against her? Like, seriously, um, dropped all the charges and expunged her record. So that's happy. You know, the the stars of the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch kind of spoke up on social media and were like, oh, we're so sorry. We're rooting for you, stuff like that. It's just like, and she found out because she tried to renew her driver's license. And there was, uh, she got flagged for having a felony charge against her. Yes, but I would imagine between 1991 and 2021, she would have had to have renewed her license a few times. So now this makes me really anxious. Like, did I forget to return a VHS or a, a book? I, like, I was a kid. I might. Like, See, this Ariel, this, this is why I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> so people can never find out about your crimes. Yep, that's it. Uh, I gotta. The past needs to stay buried. And with that, it's time for us to head into a commercial break. But we're going to be back because we have some combat coming up and it's mortal. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. 
Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Ariel, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, I thought we already did that section. Yeah, no, this new question that's actually related to our conversational topic at hand. You done seen the Mortal Kombats, right? I done seen the Mortal Kombats. I watched it Sunday. You've done uh, seen the Mortal Kombats too, correct? Yeah, I watched it Saturday morning. And um, uh, so let's let's talk about what our feelings were regarding this Mortal Kombat film, which was a, you know, a big hit. There's already some talk about like ideas for a sequel, nothing firm yet, but clearly the movie left it open for lots of different sequels, which might see the return of some uh, characters that are very most sincerely dead by the end of mortal Kombat, yes. as well as the introduction of, of characters that, that weren't even, you know, included like Johnny cage 
uh, is not in the movie, but spoiler at the very end of this mortal Kombat film, there's at least a hint of cage's involvement in a potential sequel. Yeah. I think you're being generous with your praise. <laughs> like I, I felt that the actors were actually good, but the characters that I expected to like the best, I didn't really care about. And the characters I didn't really care about, I liked the best. And it like the dialogue, some of the dialogue was really, really funny or really good. And then some of it felt like it had been translated from another language to me because it was very stilted and phrased oddly. I get it. Yeah. Um, like, like, let me, let me name a character. I'll name characters. You tell me whether or not you found them entertaining. Okay. Okay. All right, here we go. Raiden. Raiden. Mm, he did good, but he wasn't, I love that actor, but I, he just, I don't know. Didn't do much. Okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, let's go with Sonia. Oh, and she had one or two moments, but I did not care for her. I, I th- but I think that was dialogue related. I think that yeah. she had some some pretty clunky dialogue to deliver. All right. Uh, Jax. Oh, I liked him. Yeah. Same here. He was cool and okay. he was fun. Um, but I like him in Supergirl, let's... too. It's He was Jimmy Olsen in Supergirl. McCod Brooks. Oh, was he? I didn't know that. Yeah. But he was he was good as Jax. I liked I, I thought yeah. he did a, a, a I thought he did a really good job considering the material he had. Um, yes. All right. Liu Kang. Uh, yes, I, mm, I loved his physicality. Okay, that's fair. I enjoyed watching him move and, and work in the environment, but I didn't, like, I, mm, again, the dialogue was a little stilted here and there. Yeah, my, my reaction was, he was also there. I like when he's super saiyan Kung Lao. Um, oh, yeah, Kung Lao was awesome. I thought I Kung Lao Kung was Lao. I thought Kung Lao was better than Liu Kang. I thought yes. that he was more interesting and more uh, fun to watch than Liu Kang. Okay, he was um, snarky. He was snarky. He had an amazing entrance and a jawline that would not quit. Scorpion. Oh yeah, I loved I loved him. Uh, yeah, Hiroyuki Sonata is I I love him in almost everything I've seen him do. So yes, I liked Scorpion. Yes. He. But I felt like you couldn't understand it. If you didn't have some knowledge of Mortal Kombat going into the movie, you'd be a little bit lost as to... They set up with Scorpion and Sub-Zero, and you'd be a little bit lost as to what's happening and why. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no real explanation, right? It's just that mm-hmm. Sub-Zero shows up to wipe out the, the you know, uh, Scorpion's clan. But there's no explanation as to why that happens. It's just... It just happens. Um, so yeah, yeah, Sub-Zero, same, like Sub-Zero, I don't think had, like, he was very interesting in the first 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was, you know, ninja guy. But Um, his fight at the end was fantastic, so. It was okay. I really enjoyed it. I see, I I had issues with the fights. I didn't think the fights, my problem with the fights were that because it's Mortal Kombat and because you're incorporating the fantastical with those fights, right? Because. Mm -hmm characters have essentially magic powers. The fantastical parts didn't look good enough to me. And the martial arts parts were given a little bit of a short shrift because they were using the, Mm -hmm. the fantastical elements. Like I felt that it could have been a really amazing martial arts movie, or maybe they could have like, I've seen martial arts movies that have effectively magic powers in them. Crouching tiger, hidden dragon is phenomenal. It's yeah. a work of art. 
This is nowhere close to that. Oh, I forgot oh. the character. Uh, Kano. What'd you think of Kano? You you forgot a bunch of characters. No, no, <sighs> no one else showed up in that movie. <laughs> yes, huh? Okay, Kano. Kano was he was funny. He was he was he went too blue for me to appreciate all of his humor, but he definitely was you know the funny guy. Um, but you also forgot Shang Tsung, who was the evil emperor, and he was pretty good, actually. I'm pretty I sure Shang Tsung's not in that movie. I'm going to have to have you go back and watch it and tell me. <laughs> and you forgot the character they made up, which was... Oh, Cole. Uh, Cole, which... Uh, I mean, he did fine. He did fine. I liked his wife, and I liked, I liked his kid, and he did fine. But the entire movie, I was like, man, he looks like Anders from the new Battlestar Galactica, which Jonathan hasn't watched, so he won't get. But someone out there has got to look at Lewis Tan and be like, yes... He looks like this other actor. I, so for me, like, like I didn't have a problem that Cole was a brand new character. I kind of get the point, like the idea that you need to have a character who is introduced to this world and is the sort of the surrogate for the audience, except that mm-hmm. he doesn't really serve that purpose because uh, too, they're trying to pack too much into one movie. So yeah, it- so you don't you, you, you don't really get a sense of who these people are. And how this all started, you don't get a sense of how long it it is between tournaments. Also, by the way, tournament never happens. You never have the tournament. I mean, officially, no, but unofficially, yes. Like half the movie is a tournament of sorts. Except, though, no, no, no. I will not accept that. The final third. I will not accept that answer. Not at all. No, there's no tournament because the whole point of the movie is Shang Tsung is trying to uh, to sabotage, to ambush the earth realm fighters and kill them. Because if there's no one alive, when the tournament starts, they win by default or really like when whatever warriors are called up, if they don't have time to, to train, they can't possibly compete in the tournament. So the tournament never happens because Shang Tsung is trying to plan this out. And then the earth realm folks are like, all right, let's take the fight to them. So they're just doing what Shang Tsung was doing, but in reverse and no tournament. Um, There's no tournament. You can't, you can't blame Shang Tsung's logic on that considering their past record. I will say, uh, I like the changes. They, they did follow a lot of like the actual lore of the Mortal Kombat games. If you've, followed that at all. A lot of it was similar. I do feel it was too rushed. Uh, Like the biggest problem I had with the characters was that I didn't get enough time with any one of them to really feel them out. Exception of Sonya and Kano, honestly. Um, You spend more time with those two than with Cole or anybody else, it feels like. And I like a couple things about what they did with Sonya. One, they got rid of her kiss ultimate power, her kiss fatality power. And I thought that was great. Um, And two... She held her own, I guess this is a spoiler if you haven't watched it and you actually care about spoilers for this movie. She held her own without actually being an Earth champion for the majority of the movie. Yes. She she is incredibly capable. She's incredibly capable, and I really like that. Not that she wasn't capable in the video games. Um, but yeah, like the, the effects didn't bother me as much as I was worried they might. I was actually completely fine with them. Um, I just, I feel the story was a little bit rushed, but... That being said, I had fun. I think, see, here's, here's my biggest issue out of all of it. Yeah, the script is schlocky, but it's a movie based off a, a video game that's just a tournament style, despite there's no tournament in the movie, tournament style <laughs> video game where people are, are beating the snot out of each other. So I didn't have high expectations for the script. Um, mm-hmm. The lore in the Mortal Kombat games has been retconned 
20 times. So I wasn't worried about there being any consistency. Mm -hmm. The thing that bugged me was that the tone of the movie was all over the place. You had scenes that were uh, giving homages to some of the goriest fatalities. Like Kung Lao Mm -hmm. has a particularly gory fatality that is shown in the movie. And uh, that's why this movie had to have an R rating, because the level of gore in it is far beyond anything you could ever show in a PG-13 or PG movie. However, that being said... The script, the plot, most of the lines, with the exception of anything Kano says, is not like like it's not sophisticated at all. It's nowhere close to something that you would associate with an R-rated movie. It feels like a PG-13 movie that has had massive amounts of gore for a couple of sequences shoved in, which make it required to be an R-rated movie. So it's not... Yeah, it's not like I was I was telling you off microphone, I think yesterday, maybe that to me, it felt like they were trying to walk the line between the super schlocky, campy 90s movie and Mm. the very dark, gritty, grounded web series that came out a few years ago. And this was kind of trying to walk a tightrope between those two. And I didn't find it satisfying because it wasn't campy enough to be goofy, campy fun. And it wasn't wasn't grounded enough for me to care about anybody. I I can see that, and I I mean I largely I would have to agree. Um, yeah, it wasn't as good as the '90s to me. I enjoyed it. They're talking about possibly a sequel and um, bringing in some of the other characters, uh, which I enjoyed it enough. I would probably watch it because that's you know it, it falls like into the Van Helsing category with me. Um, <laughs> I will say the other thing I liked, and I know that like this is super controversial. Some people hated the soundtrack and some people really liked it. And I fall into the camp of liking it because in the 90s movie, it's the four tracks from Mortal Kombat over and over and over again. And it gets very, very repetitive. And this one built up. It would give me little hints and it just kept teasing me with little hints of like the, the Mortal Kombat soundtrack I liked and it built it up to the end. And so when that crescendo hit, I found it very satisfying. I thought that was neat too. Uh, honestly, I also, uh, that to me is a positive of the movie. I thought the score was fun and that it built up to that. It reminded me a lot of some more recent like comic book movies where you'll get a hint of a motif or theme that's really familiar, but you know, the, they're very careful with introducing it. So it's not like, Hey, we're just going to lean heavily on this nostalgia and that's mm-hmm. going to take up the place of quality. <laughs> You'll just remember yeah. that other thing that you like a lot more than the thing that you're <laughs> watching right now. And hopefully some of that will rub off on our movie. It didn't feel Listen, like that. So that was good. That's that's how I write all of my mashups. Um. <laughs> well, speaking of that, we're going to have to get to some mashing up in a minute. But first, let's take a quick break. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. 
Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, Ariel. Hey, Jonathan. You know what happened over the weekend? Uh, we watched Mortal Kombat. We just talked about that, dude. Besides, okay, in addition to that, there was a big award show that happened over the weekend. You know what it was called? Uh, the Oscars. Yes, I'm the Oscars. I'm pretty certain. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, Ariel, when we sat down to try and think of what two properties we should mash up, and I was mentioning the fact that the Oscars had just happened, that flashed something in your brain and you came up with an inspired and yet really weird <laughs> pair of properties to mash up. Please tell our audience what they're about to endure. Okay, so we were debating whether to talk about Mortal Kombat or the Oscars and we decided on Mortal Kombat. But I was trying to find something that was Oscar themed for our mashup. And I went through like a bunch of different Oscar nominated movies or geeky Oscar movies or whatever. But then in the end decided we would go with The Office and Sesame Street because they both have characters named Oscar. <laughs> the best reason ever. <laughs> Listen, some some weeks I got it and some weeks I don't. Uh. <laughs> well, I have got my uh, my mashup and you have your mashup. Mm-hmm. Who should go first? Um, I will. I will. Okay. Um, I know. I know. You spoiled that yours ends on a little bit of a positive note, so I, I will let you yeah. round out. For the show. once, I don't. I don't have all the characters die terribly, <laughs> so that's good. Yay! That would be horrible. Uh, so my episode is: Can you tell me how to get to some decently priced paper? And I'm stealing a cue from Jonathan. 
By the way, I'm starting this out. The denizens of Sesame Street had a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Their show was no longer popular with children, and because of that, they found themselves non-syndicated and non-renewed. And this meant they all had to get jobs to pay for food in their assorted odd homes. But all the jobs on Sesame Street were taken by the grown-ups already. Big Bird took this the worst and fell into a depression, locked in his nest all day watching old syndicated TV. And that's when he saw it. The Office. Specifically the episode where Kevin is being compared to the Cookie Monster. And Big Bird thought to himself, hey, they might be onto something here. The similarities are striking. I mean, they have an Oscar, we have an Oscar, and I'm totally a gym. We should take a road trip to apply for jobs at Dunder Mifflin. Besides, paper is integral to learning, so selling paper seems the next logical step for us. So from Elmo to Oscar to Count Von Count, they all piled into a van and hit the road for Scranton, PA. When they got there, at first the staff of Dunder Mifflin were astonished. They thought that the residents of Sesame Street were all puppets. Only Michael Scott, the manager of the company, took it in stride. Of course they're real, he said. They just say they're puppets to protect their privacy from paparazzi. Duh. And I should know, I was in Fundle Bundle when I was a kid, don't you remember? And he immediately put them into internships. And everything was literally fun and games. At first. I mean, Count Von Count went into accounting as to Cookie Monster, of course. And they did a bang-up job, except for when Cookie Monster tried to eat the filing cabinet. Elmo helped Aaron at reception because, as Michael said, they're both redheads. But this was a mistake as they fed each other with manic energy and couldn't even get a phone answered in time because they were both so excited at each other. Bert and Ernie went into customer service because they had learned great coping skills from being roommates. Telly, with his caution, went into QA. Grover shadowed Michael because, as Michael put it, he is super Grover and I am a super manager. And Telly and Big Bird went into sales. Oscar didn't have a place because he's super grumpy. I don't even know why he went with them. But uh, when he spouted Beats, Bears, and Battlestar Galactica were all trash, Dwight knew he had to keep his eye close on his new enemy and offered to train him. And here's the thing. The office got much better, and the employees of Dunder Mifflin all started getting along and, and learning conflict resolution. And that was the problem, because Oscar hated this. He didn't want people to get along. He only came to Scranton because he saw how horrible the work environment at Dunder Mifflin was, and he wanted to feed on the chaos, and Dwight was equally upset because without without the office divided, he couldn't adequately assert his dominance over his coworkers. So Oscar and Dwight teamed up to devise a plan to stop all the friendliness and plunge the paper company back into turmoil. However, before they could put their plan into motion, the TV executives of both Sesame Workshop and the documentary crew filming the life at the paper company burst into the office. Company meeting, Michael Scott called, and after 15 minutes of trying to stuff Snuffy into a conference room, they were told that because people who watched The Office were once fans of Sesame Street, uh, Sesame Street had a huge rise in popularity and the show was back on. Which was also great news for Dunder Mifflin because with no interpersonal drama, their viewership was down the toilet and they really needed the residuals to stay afloat. I mean, who buys paper nowadays? So the denizens of Sesame Street were sent back home and Dunder Mifflin went back to being the way it was before all the positive change. And everyone was happy-ish, except Dwight or Oscar, who didn't get to uh, unveil their grand plan uh, and didn't get any a plum for it. Now, for one week every year, the employees of the office and the inhabitants of Sesame Street 
change jobs and homes, to not forget the valuable lessons and friendships they learned and made along the way, and to keep the ratings going strong. Oh, how heartwarming. (laughs) All right. Mine is, can you tell me how to get how to get to the Dundies? Michael Scott has a problem. It's the Dundies. (laughs) The Scranton Dunder Mifflin office is to get together for their annual award show hosted by Michael Scott. Everyone is told to pile into an old bus that Michael has somehow rented for this occasion. Well, everyone except Stanley, who outright refuses to go, and Toby, whom Michael purposefully leaves behind by shutting the bus door in his face. And they're off with Michael behind the wheel. It doesn't take long before Oscar is asking Michael if he happens to actually have a Class B driving license, which he is legally required to have in order to drive a bus. Michael attempts to deflect, but the process, he kind of gets turned around while arguing with Oscar, and they don't find their way to the Chili's, which is much to Pam's relief as she was still under a lifetime ban at this point. (laughs) Michael, attempting to reassure everyone that he is not, in fact, lost, turns down an odd street. It's a charming town neighborhood with bright colors and extremely cheerful inhabitants. After much urging from the co-workers in the back, he decides to stop the bus and ask for directions. So everyone has the opportunity to get out and stretch their legs. Michael hops into a store called Hooper's, run by a nice guy named Alan. Pam and Jim watch as some kids play, and they talk about how excited they are to see their own child grow up while also being, you know, a little melancholic about it. The idea of being sad, the time has to pass. Meanwhile, Kevin makes friends with a huge elephant-like creature that only he can see. Guys, guys, Stuffle Upagus is awesome. Everyone pretty much ignores Kevin. Oscar in finance accidentally stumbles and bumps up against a trash can, whereupon a green monster pops out. Startled, Oscar, uh, the office... Oscar lets out a high-pitched scream, which Oscar, uh, the Sesame Street Oscar, says is music to his ears. After the momentary shock, the monster introduces himself as Oscar the Grouch. Office Oscar and Grouch Oscar immediately fall into deep conversation about the relative shortcomings of their respective circle of acquaintances. Meanwhile, Dwight is impatiently walking around the bus when he encounters Bert and Ernie. Dwight, shocked, looks at Bert and says, Cousin Bert? And yes, it turns out Dwight and Bert are distant cousins. The two immediately begin catching up while Ernie irritates the living hell out of both of them. The Dunder Mifflin crew encounter more of the inhabitants of Sesame Street, and for the most part, they're enchanted. Kelly's a bit distracted by the whole thing, and Angela seems even more uptight than Bert is, but apart from that, things are going pretty well. Jem and Pam decide they're going to pop into Hooper's to see what's taking so long. They find Michael and Alan are singing a song about feelings and friendship. Michael looks happier than he has in years. And Alan, it turns out, is in need of paper. Big Bird wants to write to his pen pal Gulliver the Seagull, but they're fresh out of paper. Alan gives Michael helpful, kind instructions on how to get back on track, though now the Dunder Mifflin crew are reluctant to leave. And so Michael decides to hold the Dundies right there, right on Sesame Street. He even creates new categories for some of their new friends. Ernie gets most likely to use a bath toy in an inappropriate manner. Big Bird gets most likely to scare Angela. Snuffle Upagus gets most fake friend. 
which makes Kevin a little sad, but he and Big Bird both talk about how awesome Snuffleupagus is. And Pam gives Michael the Got Found by Getting Lost award. And everyone sings a song at the end about Class B driving license, which begin with the letter B. The end. Class B driver's license begin with the letter C. No, it's B. says so right in my script. (laughs) That was absolutely delightful. I'm, (laughs) I am... Like, I, I want to watch this episode, and also <laughs> I am slightly scared at the lessons that the poor, <laughs> poor Muppets of Sesame Street will learn from Michael Scott. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, see, no one died. I didn't kill. I didn't kill a single Muppet in this one. And poor Toby always gets the short end of the stick. I mean, that's just Toby. That's what. Let's, let's be fair. That actor is also one of the head writers for the show. So he, yeah. he, he more likely than not wrote himself being abused like that. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Well, that turned out way better than I anticipated. <laughs> yes. Well, and we are curious to hear all of your mashups about, you know, the office and Sesame street and what that might look like. We realize that we both went, you know, we went both, you know, fairly, fairly friendly, like pretty heavy on the Sesame Street side. If you had gone heavier on office, things probably would have turned out a bit differently. Uh, There would have been a lot more embarrassing, embarrassing cringe humor there. But we're curious what you guys think. Also, if you have suggestions for future mashups, as well as any thoughts on the stuff that we covered today, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think. How do they do that, Ariel? Well, they can write us an email at lnc at iheartmedia.com or they can reach us on social media. They can do that at Twitter at LNC underscore podcast or Instagram or Facebook at Large Nerd Drunk Collider. And hey, guys, if you like the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss episodes. Make sure to write us and make sure to tell your friends so that we have more people to talk to. I'm sure I'm jo- driving Jonathan absolutely bonkers. Yeah, uh, there are times where we just talk and make up mashups with each other and we don't even know how to communicate like normal people anymore. It's true. It's true. So until next time, I am Ariel Caston. And I am Ariel. Um, oh, shoot. Yeah, you know, you're it. Yeah. You're you're Jonathan Strickland. You're that's 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 who I am. Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's beyond zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our beyond zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyond zero.